All of us in this life have been given names. And we've been given different names as we go throughout this life. We have the names that we started out with. Those names that our parents gave us. We may have even been given names by other people. Maybe a nickname that coincides with some kind of a trait that we have or uh, some kind of something like that or uh, maybe because of a particular way we look or whatever the case may be. And then we have a name that we make for ourselves. Now there's very little that a person can do about the name that our parents give us. Obviously we can change our names if we want to, but most people don't. But the names that we make for ourselves are very important. You see, those are the opportunities that we have uh, in our lives to be known for either good or for bad. The names that we make for ourselves. That's kind of what our reputations are, isn't it? A person's known for something. But the name given to us by Jesus is very important. Jesus has given us a name. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus made a statement and He said, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. You see, Jesus called us salt. Now Christians have been called a myriad of different names. We've been called sheep. We've been called brethren. We've been called little ones and other names. But salt, that's a very important name. Now we don't often think of it in those terms, but we ought to. Now it is not a coincidence that verses 13 and 14 follow what we know to be the Beatitudes. We're called salt because we have been given the opportunity and the responsibility to be an influence in the world. In the Beatitudes, Jesus gave the qualities that must be present in every citizen of the kingdom of God. And when we possess those qualities, and the good news is that we're able to cultivate those qualities, we will have a positive influence on those around us. And we can make a difference in the world. When we live by the standards that <clears throat> excuse me, that Jesus has put forth, we will make a difference in the world in some way. Like salt, light has a quality about it. And light enables the Christian to perform certain things uh, that God requires. It will enable us to see ourselves in ways that perhaps others cannot see us. Just as a glistening city on a hillside cannot be hidden, the Christian is able to use the light of God to show forth the brilliance of God. The brilliance of God cannot be hidden from the world. Now, the world may not appreciate it. The world may ignore it, but the world nonetheless will be able to see it, whether they like it or whether they do not like it. So in other words, our influence will go out from us and those around us will see it, and they will be touched by it. Whether they accept it, or whether they do not accept it. Whether it pricks their hearts, or whether it cuts them to the heart. 
I want us to focus for just a few moments on the name Jesus gave us, salt. In that one verse, Jesus makes three statements which must be considered and understood by every child of God and by anyone who hopes to be a child of God. The title of the sermon this afternoon is Jesus Liked Salt. I remember growing up in my home, my dad loved salt. He couldn't get enough of it. Everything had to have salt on it. But Jesus liked salt. Let's first consider salt's description. Salt, to begin with, is a preserve, is a preservative. It preserves, right? That's what salt does. It will prevent rot and decay. Have you ever watched an old timer uh, preserve meat with salt? They'll take a ham or they'll take uh, some other uh, uh, bacon or or whatever, usually a hog, and uh, they will. Salt that thing down, and you know they'll put it in salt, and they may keep it in there almost two years. And then they'll hang that thing up. I was watching a, a video of that not too awfully long ago, how they preserve uh, meat with salt. And then you come back later on, and uh, you eat that meat. You can fry it, or sometimes, or you can just eat it the way it is. But you'll fry that ham up and and you can eat it. But you preserve things with salt. Sodom and Gomorrah could have been preserved from destruction by the influence of just ten righteous people. They could have been preserved by the salt of the earth. By what God called the salt of the earth. But there weren't. They weren't preserved. There wasn't enough salt. You see, when you preserve meat, you have to cover it from all sides. You can't have part of that meat sticking up. If part of the hawk is sticking up, bugs will get in it. And and then when you uncover that uh, hawk, the only thing that will be there is that outside skin of meat. Everything on the inside is gone. They'll come right through the marrow, and then they'll get all that that's in the marrow, and they'll get all that meat too. It has to be completely preserved. But you have to have enough salt. It has to be completely preserved. It's the way with our nation and world today, isn't it? If not for the prayers of righteous men and women, James 5.16, do you believe that the world could continue today and our nation could continue today? I don't think so. I believe in the power of prayer. The presence and the prayers of the faithful. It is the righteousness of God's people who make the societies of the world great. Solomon declared, Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Proverbs 14, 34. The salt of Christianity preserves, but here's something else it does. It penetrates. Salt will penetrate anything that it touches. It is an aggressive substance. It is aggressive. And we see it in the lives of the first century Christians, don't we? Notice what Luke recorded, Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. 
And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, inhaling men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. They went everywhere and they were aggressive in their preaching because they were salt. It's an aggressive substance. It does what it's designed to do. Now remember, Jesus called us salt for a reason. And those in the first century penetrated everywhere they went. Every nook, every cranny. They went down to Samaria. They heard, they listened, they believed, they obeyed the gospel. Even a sorcerer uh, named Simon, he obeyed the gospel. (laughs) Because salt's a penetrator. Jesus called us salt. Acts 17, verse 6. Salt will preserve, it will penetrate, and here's something else it will do. It will purify. Salt has a remarkable cleansing ability. A remarkable cleansing ability. Have you ever been sick? Have you had a sore throat and you gargled with salt water? It has a purifying cleansing ability, right? It will purify. How did Elisha cleanse the waters at Jericho? You salt. In ancient times, newborn babies were washed in a salt solution to cleanse their bodies, to give firmness to their skins, Ezekiel 16, verse 4. Though painful, salt in a wound will help to clean the area and prevent infection. Now, I know most people don't want salt in their wounds, but it will prevent infection, Right? Christians certainly have a purifying effect in the world. Jesus called us salt. We have a purifying effect in the world. Have you noticed people will behave differently when they know a Christian is present? They begin to want to speak differently. They won't use their normal terrible language. They begin to act in a better way. They understand that person lives differently and they try to respect that. At least most people will try to do that. It's a purifying effect, right? You're the salt of the earth. Don't lose the savor, right? Jesus liked salt. The meat offering to God, uh, those offerings were made with salt, Leviticus 2.13. So our sacrificial lives should be offered to the Lord with salt, Romans 12. 1 and 2. And when we do that, we prove that we are worth our salt. Where do you think that statement came from? Worth your salt. Salt was something worth having back in the day, right? Because not everyone had it. It was precious. Are you worth your salt? It was hard to come by, wasn't it? Salt will preserve, it will penetrate, it will purify. But now perhaps one of the most notable characteristics of salt is it pleases. Salt pleases. Most people enjoy salt. Most people enjoy salt. Salt will bring out the best in food as it blends and adds flavor to a meal. Now we just had a wonderful meal. Now, have you ever noticed that when we get together and we have a meal, there are certain dishes down there that if they're not brought, you just might have a ride on your hands, right? You just might have a ride on your hands. Now, if you don't have apple dumplings, you're going to have a problem. 
If you don't have uh, 10 pounds of mashed potatoes, you're going to have a, have a problem on your hands. So I went over to the mashed potatoes. Julie said, you need salt. So I put salt on it. It brings out that natural flavor, right? Salt makes food better. It's a pleasure. It pleases. You need salt, right? In the same way, Christians should flavor and add to the world around them. That's what Christians do. At least that's what God expects us to do, right? We ought to bring out the best in each other and bring out the best in those around us. We do that for God's glory, Philippians 1.27. When we consider Saul's description, now here's something else we need to consider as well. We think of all those wonderful things about salt, but here's something else about salt we need to be careful about. Salt is also a poison. Salt will kill certain things, right? Have you ever seen someone put salt on a, on a snail or a slug? It's not, it's not good, is it? Have you ever seen someone put salt on your lawn? It'll kill grass, won't it? Too much salt is bad for your blood pressure. Too much salt makes food unable to be eaten. Right? Too much is not good enough. Or, or is, is too much uh, for you. Abimelech used salt to destroy the ground and to pre- prevent crops from being grown. Judges 9.45 Now in the same way, True Christianity sown in the lives, the homes, and the communities of the world will put some things to death. And that's what we want. Right? We want to put some things to death. We impact the world because Christianity is pure poison to sin. That's the whole idea, right? Jesus came to put sin to death. To give us an opportunity to get out from behind it. Now remember, Jesus called us salt, and because of that, our influence ought to kill lifestyles which include any manner of sin. Use of alcohol, bad language, hatred, killing, drug use, immoral living, all these other works of the flesh that we read about in Galatians 5.19. Christianity puts those things to death, right? especially in the Christian's own life. And then makes an influence to those around them. When that happens, Paul said this in Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now here's something else Saul will do. We're all well aware of this. Saul will promote thirst. Have you ever eaten something salty before you went to bed? You wake up about three or four hours later, you can't get enough water, right? Remember, Jesus called us salt, and and we ought to promote a thirst for Jesus in the world. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying this, John 7, 37, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. When he sat at the well and the Samaritan lady came to him, she wanted to drink that water of which Jesus spoke. 
She didn't understand that the water of which he spoke was the living water, the words of life. That's what he was talking about. We hunger and thirst after his righteousness if we back up into Matthew chapter 5 and we read about those beatitudes. We are to thirst after that. When we're salt, when we take the call of the gospel seriously, when we live right, when we look right, when we talk right, when we worship right, when we dress right, it is then when we have the ability to create a thirst for the living waters of Jesus in the hearts of those around us. When that doesn't happen, the exact opposite happens. Salt will also prove our ability. Have you ever noticed salt changes everything it touches? Salt changes food. Have you ever put salt on ice? Changes ice, doesn't it? You put salt on the steps during the winter, gets rid of the ice. It changes water. It goes from something you can drink to something you can't drink. It changes everything else. We've been called by the gospel to change ourselves. We are salt. And then we're called to change the world. If you had the opportunity, and you do, to choose between a thermostat or a thermometer to be placed in your home, what would it be? Do we want to gauge the temperature or do we want to change the temperature? Well, I don't have to have a a thermometer to know I'm burning up. I want to be able to change the temperature, right? I don't have to have a thermometer to know I'm freezing. I want to turn the heat up. I want a thermostat, right? We are supposed to be thermostats, not thermometers. We can prove ourselves. God expects us to implement change in the world, not to be changed. But now, let's move on to our second point. There are some dangers that we have to look at when it comes to salt. Salt can lose its flavor. Salt was a valuable commodity in the ancient world. So valuable, in fact, that Roman legions were often paid their wages in salt. That's where that term comes from, right? The payment was called the salarium, thus the Expression, not worth his salt. So if you weren't doing what you were supposed to do, you weren't worth your salt. That's how precious salt was. But it was possible for it to lose its flavor and to no longer be salty. You might put all kinds of salt on your food, but if it lost its flavor, it's not making anything salty. Our salt is a chemical compound called chloride of sodium, or sodium chloride, right? The salt of the ancient world was either mined from the salt cliffs along the Dead Sea, which were seven miles long and several hundred feet tall, or it was evaporated from the waters of the Dead Sea. Either way, it was always mixed with mineral or vegetable matter, okay? And when it was exposed to the elements, it would lose its salty flavor. So they had to be careful with it. Even the surface salt dug from the cliffs was discarded uh, after, after very much exposure uh, because it was rendered tasteless. Table salt was in danger of losing its flavor and the salt of a Christian. 
is faced with the danger of losing his or her savor as well. We have to be careful, right? Now remember, Jesus said we're salt, so we better guard our saltiness. We have to be careful. If we come into too close of a proximity with the world, we can lose that savor. Jesus said, be careful, don't lose your savor. When we begin to become like the world, that's when we start losing our savor. When Isaac lived near the Philistines, the wells of his, uh, that his father dug, they were filled with earth and were rendered useless. See, he got too close. We have to be careful with that. There's a description given of salt. There are some dangers to avoid. Now I want us to uh, notice the destiny one way or the other. If salt loses its flavor, here's what happens. It was cast out. It was cast out. It was taken. It was scattered along the footpaths. It was used on roadways in much the same way that we use gravel today. They just walked on it. Cast under the foot of people, right? Its only purpose was to kill out weeds that might grow in the roadway. That's all it was good for. And then for people to walk on to keep their sandals out of the mud. That's all it was used for. No longer was it such a priceless commodity. They weren't going to pay soldiers with that salt anymore because it was just like gravel. Literally, again, it was used to be trodden under the foot of men and animals, right? So we have to understand if we lose our savor, when we cease to function as salt in the world, then we too have become good for nothing in regards to the kingdom. So we have to be careful. But that doesn't have to be the case, right? That doesn't have to be the case. We don't have to lose our savor. We don't have to lose our savor. If we can maintain our savor and cause our salt to last, we can influence our families, our friends, and the world. See, none of us want to be considered useless and to be cast out. That's what happened to the, to the servants who, uh, that we read about in the parable of the pounds, right? Those who didn't use their pounds properly. They were cast into outer darkness because they were worthless to the Master, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. So we have to be careful about that. Jesus called the Christians salt. And we want those characteristics. We talked about a list of characteristics that are good, that salt has that the Christian needs to have. We want that destiny promised to the faithful. We want our salt to last. We don't want it to lose its savor, right? We want to, we want to be a shining light into a world full of darkness. So as we consider the warnings of don't lose your savor, don't be cast out under the, to be trodden under the foot of men, we want to, we want to be able to look at ourselves and to honestly Honestly asked, am I, am I still the salt that Jesus called me? Am I doing the things He's asked me to do? That's what the, the world needs today, right? That's the kind of salt that the world needs. The world has enough gravel, right? The world has enough gravel. All of us have, have witnessed enough false teaching in the world, enough hypocrisy in the world, and enough weak living to last an eternity. What the world needs is strong Christianity. People willing to, to stand up for that which is right, to, 
to sacrifice for that which is right. We are salt, and we need to behave in accordance. Remember, Jesus liked salt, not gravel. That's not what He talked about. If you're here and you need to answer the Lord's invitation, if you need to come back to Him through prayer and repentance to step back into the light, let that be known as we stand and as we sing. How my affection bend now to